Hello, this is Alana Sweetwater. Thank you for joining me on the Warrior Empath Podcast. Hello, empaths, my beautiful friends. How are you doing out there? It is crazy times, and I can only imagine you're all feeling it immensely. And I hope that you are finding ways to stay grounded, to find your joy, to allow space to just kind of process how you feel about everything, because it's easy to become overwhelmed and totally desensitized, and that's not good for people like us. It's really not good for anybody, actually. So hopefully you are finding your ways to keep your heart open and full. In fact, I'd love to know what you're doing because that's always really helpful for all of us to hear. So if you feel like sharing that with me, please do. You can find me at alanasweetwater1 at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram, alanasweetwater, Facebook, whatever. You know the ways. I'm going to set up the Warrior Empath across all social media platforms, but I haven't done that yet. So... For now, you have to go straight to me. So today I wanted to talk about something that's really come to light for me as a necessity. And it can no longer wait. I think it's really, really pivotal for me. And I have a feeling it would be pivotal for you as well. So I wanted to share this with you. It's about creating a new narrative for ourselves. It's creating a new story, a story of who we are and a story of what we're doing here. And a lot of times we don't realize that we even have a story that we're going by, let alone having the conscious awareness that we can actually choose a new one because we go throughout our lives accumulating experiences, often repeating lessons over and over again, and we attract to ourselves the people, the situations that solidify our belief that this story is who we are. I'm going to use myself as an example, and I'll tell you that from a very young age, I identified very strongly with the archetype of the orphan. It's because when I was very young, I had discovered um, Pippi Longstocking, who was, I think, God, I don't know if she was Swiss or where, where she came from. I need to look into that. But she was this orphan, and her dad was a pirate who was away sailing, and she had a shit ton of money and she had a pet monkey and she was just this ballsy little redhead with these crazy pigtails and she had her own house. She stood up to the bullies. She had fun with her friends and then she wanted them to go away so she could miss them. She was just so cool to me. And then later, Punky Brewster, I don't know if any of you know who she is anymore, but in the 80s, she was this orphan who showed up on this guy's doorstep. She came with her dog, and she too was this independent, fiery little soul. And she thought for herself, she dressed weird, she just 
didn't fit in and didn't try to fit in. So that archetype was always really appealing to me, this independent, free-thinking young woman who didn't belong to anybody in a way. Now, I did have both my parents, but what was really interesting is years later when my mom died, I really took that orphan archetype and ran with it. I think also being an empath and always feeling so different, kind of feeling like an alien that landed here, uh, it definitely fed into that story of being an orphan as well, too. Just, I don't know where I come from, but it's not here, and these are not my people, and I just want to go home wherever that is. Uh, The way that that played out in my life was always, well, I should say, first of all, there was many positive ways that that played out, and there were many negative ways that that played out. So for the positive, I would say it made me an individual at a very young age. It made me a free thinker. It allowed me to have a very creative and rich inner world. And I didn't try to fit in so much because I just kind of accepted that I didn't. I was always very compassionate, especially to the underdog, especially to anyone that was being treated poorly or unfairly. I felt an identification with that. I felt a sense of righteousness about standing up for what is good and protecting the vulnerable and I guess a bit of a rebellious streak as well of sort of like fuck the idea of trying to fit in this is me and of course there were times in my life where I would try to fit in and then I would rebel and break loose of that and there are so many great examples of the orphan archetype in in literature and in movies. Think about Harry Potter. I always come back to Harry Potter because there's just so much to learn. (laughs) There's so much to learn from the metaphors in those books. But Harry Potter is a perfect example of the, um, the orphan, the rejected one, you know. And then, before I get into Harry Potter though, I want to get back to the negative aspects of identifying with the orphan. I wrote a song many years ago called Tumbleweed, and that perfectly describes what it feels like, which is this feeling of rootlessness, this feeling of just tumbling around kind of aimlessly and not knowing where I belong and searching for a feeling of home and belonging. So that alienation is really prevalent. It's not belonging, loneliness, isolation, becoming reclusive or depressed. It has reared an ugly head in my life many times by trying to latch onto things outside of myself to find my place and my value be it a relationship or over-identification with a job or a dream 
just trying to find this thing out there that's going to make me feel okay inside and that I belong and I have a place. And I've spent a lifetime searching for those things. And I've learned so much about the fact that attaining those things doesn't give me a feeling of self-love and that nothing can and no one can. And at first that was a devastating realization that nothing out there is going to save me from this feeling. However, that means that the only thing that could save me from this feeling is something within me that has to change. And that's scary. And then it's empowering because I can do something about that. I can't control what's going on out there. I can't control any other human being. And I've tried, believe me. (laughs) I can't control what I see on the news. I can't control what people are doing to each other. I can't control the world. And yet, I can control my world through my perception. It's the only thing that I can control. I've been studying Nelson Mandela. And what's so mind-blowing is the power a man or woman can have when they change their mind, the power to be transformed, even when you are apparently imprisoned, trapped, can't change the outside circumstances at all. And yet you can change your mind and change the world around you because of it. So back to Harry Potter, you have the orphan cast out, not not welcomed. And yet he has these incredible gifts that just sort of come out at random times. And through the course of the stories, he discovers that he is not just an orphan, but he's a hero. Although he never thinks of himself as a hero, he's a hero because of how he shows up. He shows up the right way. He has unshakable core values because of what his experiences were as feeling like an orphan. So his loyalty to his friends or his commitment to stand up to evil with integrity, with heart. I just want to point out an example that's obvious that we all know of the transformation from one archetype to another, from the orphan to the hero. And you will see that played out in any great story, the way that somebody goes from being an ordinary person or a victim of life in one regard or another to somebody extraordinary. And that's the transformation that I am ready to make in my life. I did not realize until recently how I've clung onto that story of myself and how it has not served me for a very long time. In a sense, it never served me, but it was sort of a byproduct of how I processed what happened. 
and I only extracted certain aspects of my experiences that would validate that I was this abandoned child, essentially. So instead of taking away from a situation something empowering, I might take away, oh, see, that right there proves that I'm not good enough or that I'm alone or blah, blah, blah. You know, when you have a story, you have to keep it alive. And the only way to keep it alive is to keep creating scenarios that prove that point. And it's sort of like that game you played as a kid, I spy something blue, I spy something green. And what that means is what you look for, you're going to find it. And as long as the narrative is, I don't belong, the world is not a safe place, I'll always be alone, I'm not good enough, I don't have enough money, I need this or that... As long as the narrative is like that, we will attract scenarios that will validate that truth. And when we change our mind, we will attract the people, the places, the scenarios that validate our new story. I don't think this is something you can just superficially do, like, hmm, I've always experienced poverty, but I'm going to decide that I'm rich now. I'm just gonna believe that when that hasn't been my experience. I don't think, I don't think you can do that. I think you have to learn how to embody this new version of yourself. One way to do it is to look at people who are already doing it. Look to the greats. Look to them and see how did they create that transformation? You know, if you want to be good at something, you've got to look at who's successful in that area. Back to this whole idea of attracting what you're putting out and this I spy something green concept. I remember years ago, I was walking with a friend of mine who was a very talented and very successful musician. And somebody recognized him on the street and came up to him and said he was the biggest fan. And then he launched into a analysis of his latest album and how he could have done it better. <laughs> and it was so awkward and funny. I don't know. And when we walked away, my friend turned to me and said, why are my fans all so angry and opinionated? Like, they're just like angry white guys. And I laughed in his face and I was like, have you listened to your music? Like, that's exactly what you are <laughs> in those songs. Like, if you don't like the vibe of, of the people that are resonating with you, maybe you want to take a look at what you're putting out there. And what's really funny to me about this is someone recently called me out like that. And she said, you know, I've really been listening to a lot of your music and I love that it's so soulful and, and honest and reflective, but I got to tell you, I really noticed that there's a lot of you've done me wrong, I'll do it myself, I don't need anybody kind of energy to it. And I thought, oh my God, shit. 
so true. Not only is it true, but it is not who I want to be anymore. It feels so outdated that I haven't even been able to comfortably write in a prolific way for the last couple of years because I don't I don't resonate with that person anymore and I don't want to put more of that energy out there, but I'm still forming my new self. So that was kind of what I knew how to do. That was kind of who I knew how to be. And it was such a gift for her to tell me that because it really set me on this path of thinking about who I was and who I want to be. I remember years ago, Uh, an aunt came to stay with us for a little bit. It was a couple years after my mom had died. And I had written probably 300 songs about it. And after I'd written another one, I played it for her. And she goes, all right, your mom died. What else you got? I feel like I might have said that in another episode. So if I'm repeating myself, forgive me. I'll probably do it a lot throughout this whole podcast. But anyway... Um, that's how I felt when this woman called me out about putting this energy out there of feeling hurt and betrayed by love and reaching for love and sort of this apparent toughness of like, yeah, I'll do it myself. But underneath it, there's this loneliness and, and isolation really. So Thinking about where I've come from, I know that I've had all these experiences that could validate easily why I felt justified in being the way that I was. But the fact is, it doesn't make me happy. It really doesn't. And I want to be happy. I mean, the other day total side note but I had my front door open and this squirrel comes to my front door he's about to come in and I was like oh shit don't come in you know hold on a second let me see what I got I go and I grab some walnuts and I go and I sit down outside and I hold the walnuts in my hand in my lap and this squirrel climbs up into my lap and eats them And my heart is pounding. But the experience of being that present and connected to another creature, my my God, it was like scary and wonderful. It was just so wonderful. Anyways, back to being happy. Being happy and being an orphan don't really fit well together to me. And so I feel ready to choose a new story for myself. And if I don't quite know how to do it, I'm going to learn how to do it. I'm going to follow the footsteps of the greats and I'm going to change what I'm focusing on because like I said earlier, that's what I can control. So I thought I would plant that seed in everyone's mind that this might be a good time to take a look at who we're being and what archetype we're identifying with and decide if maybe we're ready for an upgrade because the world could use an upgrade and we change the world when we change ourselves. That stupid cliche, 
is true. Anyway, I hope you have a great week and I look forward to hearing from you and sharing more information and always feel free to reach out to me with requests of topics you'd like to talk about or if you'd like to be on the podcast, I would love to have you. I am always open to interviewing fellow empaths if they have some information they'd like to share. All right, talk to you soon. Much love to all of you. Keeping us apart was better